0: A I N M E N N U
1: Main Menu Main Menu Main Main Menu menu. Hello everyone, you're listening to Main Menu for the 2nd of June 2017. Your co host Jason Castangue is speaking. We wanted to bring you NVDA Con while it was still fresh, so Joseph Lee will take it away as we bring to you the keynote from this event. After that, we tell you about a resource that was announced by NV Access. Those who wish to transition from window Eyes to NVDA now have a tutorial. Then, there is a message that was shared by ACB President Kim Charlson regarding Hulu, and I will present that. And finally, I bring you talk about Markdown. Enjoy listening, everyone.
2: expressed on ACB radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
0: NVIDIA CON 2017 keynote. Community engagement. Welcome to NVIDIA Con 2017 keynote. My name is Joseph Lee, one of the contributors to NVIDIA Screen Reader, and I and Derek Weimer, the chair of NVIDIA Con 2017, would like to welcome you to the highlight of this conference, the keynote by NV Access. In a few moments, we will join the NVIDIA Con conference hall where the countdown to the keynote presentation is taking place. Enjoy the keynote presentation. 10, 9,
2: eight, seven, six, five, four, three, Two.
0: One. When you hear the words screen reader, what words come to your mind? Is it accessibility, speech, or web browsing? If you answered yes to all of these, that you are one of the millions who have experienced the life-changing influence of screen readers, including NVDA, non-visual desktop access. Now think of words that describes NVDA. Most people would say open source, free, and accessibility testing tool. Yes, NVDA is all of these open source, free, and the great accessibility testing tool. But there is one thing that best describes NVDA, community engagement. A community consisting of users, developers, sponsors, and advocates who works tirelessly to make NVDA a great screen reader for all. For the last decade, NVDA has been an integral part of lives of thousands. Its progress towards equal access to technology continues today. And it is opening the doors of future opportunities for many. And it was all possible thanks to the work of NV Access and the global NVDA community. Want to experience the screen reader of the people? a tool developed for the people, and the movement led by the people like you. Visit www.nvaccess.org today to download a copy of NVDA and join a global community that will make a difference in your life and lives of millions.
2: Welcome to the NVIDIA Con 2017 Keynote. Please welcome the keynote speakers for today's event, Michael Curran and James Tay. Community engagement, the theme of NVIDIA Con 2017. But it's not just the theme of the conference. It's a fundamental value of NV Access as an organization, and our status as a charity ensures, even requires, this continued commitment to community. It's evident right from our humble beginnings as a project developed by users for users, something which continues to be the case today. It's reflected in the fact that NVDA being free and open source was never even a question. It just was right from the start. And compromising on this has never been an option for us. has never been something we've even considered. But even though it was open source right from the start, it wasn't until a little later when people contacted us from around the world wanting to translate NVDA into their languages that we realized not only the amazing potential of NVDA for the global community, but also the amazing power of community to grow shape, and support the project. From these translators translating NVDA into their languages, to developers contributing enhancements and fixes, to users helping other users by answering questions and providing solutions, and, of course, those who generously donated to NV Access to allow us to continue this vital work. But for us, the importance of community goes even further than this, than just growing the project. You've heard me say this many times over the years, each and every person has a right and a responsibility to contribute what they can to our society, to do their part in ensuring a brighter future for our world. And as we heard more and more stories about how NVDA was changing people's lives, it became more and more apparent to us that NVDA is paramount that it is an essential tool in enabling people to reach their potential, to take their place in their community. And going beyond even this, MVDA is a powerful example of how a community can come together to solve its own problems for the benefit of all. And if we can inspire just one other community to solve a problem in a similar way, that in itself is something to be immensely proud of. I'm Jamie, and last year, I spoke at quite some length at the keynote about the then 10-year story of NVDA, and you, its community. At this conference, we've had a taste of how that story has continued in the last year. Through the opening forum, the community met to discuss all things NVDA, and I'm sure all things beyond. We heard from Google about the exciting progress of accessibility in Chrome, as well as how the community can help to make it even better. Then, our newest member of the MVXS team, Reef, outlined how those of you in the community for whom coding might not be your cup of tea can make nonetheless valuable non-code contributions to ensure MVDA continues to address the needs of its users. As a trainer in various screen reading software, Leonard provided his insight into where MVDA excels now, but also where we can learn from other products to better serve our users going forward. I, as a somewhat last-minute affair, spoke about and demonstrated how Asara enables blind and vision-impaired people to realize their audio recording and production dreams. Lucy and Derek continued to tell the story of Dictation Bridge, an open-source project made possible largely by the community coming together to fund it. And finally, last but not least, Joseph detailed his excellent work as a community member to make Windows 10 apps more usable with NVDA, as well as how users can provide feedback to developers to improve accessibility further still. Throughout all of these sessions resonates a common theme How the community have played a massive part in continuing this story, and how they can play an even bigger part going forward. So now, I want to give you an update on the happenings at NV Access, and how we are continuing to work tirelessly to better serve our users, and to further engage with the community. Last year, I spoke of our work to solidify and refine the NV Access strategy to ensure the sustainability and longevity of NVDA and of NV Access. I outlined five broad areas of focus for NV Access. Continuing to develop and innovate in NVDA, building the ecosystem around NVDA, getting NVDA into the hands of more people, expanding our accessibility consulting and collaboration and exploring new areas. This year, we have a clearer roadmap than ever before, aligning directly to these areas of focus. So let's touch on the first area of focus, which is the one you're probably most familiar with, and that's continuing to develop and innovate in NVDA. Essentially, creating the best possible product that we can. So in the last year, we've had significant improvements regarding Microsoft Office, to talk about the major couple that I saw when I was looking at the changelog, we have reporting of sections and columns in Microsoft Word and also the ability to read and fill in form fields in Microsoft Excel. There were quite, there were quite a lot of more minor but nevertheless important things that happened as well in the Office space. And uh, those things include reporting of strikethrough in Microsoft Word, reporting of locations in Microsoft Excel when you press a key, uh, more accurate reporting of cropped and overflowed in Microsoft Excel. Reporting of cross-references in Microsoft Word, so they get reported as links now. And support for table titles and descriptions in Word. And there's a lot more where that came from. Much of this actually came out of Quentin's work on the training material, you know, issues that he identified working, working through these use cases and you know, working as a user. And I'll talk more about that later. Last year, I mentioned that we were hiring a new developer. We're in the process of hiring a new developer. And I think it was around June last year that that happened. And so uh, we now have Reef as the newest member of our team. Now, any of you that were at his session a couple of days ago would would have met him already. And I'm sure some of you who've been involved with development would have seen him around, seen him on GitHub and on the mailing list. So Reef has been working on general development, uh, quality assurance, and things like triage. And this is allowing Mick and I to focus on innovation and other areas where our specific expertise is is required. So things like the the, uh, work on Kindle and on Edge, and also things like Speech Refactor, which I'll talk about later in in the talk. As a fully cited developer, Reef is also in a unique position, or unique in our organization, to work on enhancements to the, the GUI, the graphical user interface, how it looks. And so he's done a big amount of work already to polish that up and make it look a little bit be- look make it look a little better. Reef has also been really pushing us to to get automated testing happening, and uh, while we've been wanting to do this for a while ourselves that push has been has been really good we now do have unit testing and i'll talk more about that in a second we've had some pretty significant enhancements concerning microsoft edge lately as well so in mvda 2017.2 which should go to rc today uh we navigating by line in microsoft edge is now up to three times faster than it was before if used with the windows creators update And that's as a result of collaboration with Microsoft. So there were issues that needed to be fixed both in Windows and in NVIDIA to make that happen. And we're continuing to collaborate on this further into the future. And so we're hoping for better performance and also just general fixes right across the board. We now have support for ARIA Current. So this allows you to do things like, uh, on a web page, indicate that a page in the navigation bar is the current page. Or indicate that a date in the calendar is the current date or when you're uh, filling in a form and there's multiple steps multiple screens you can indicate the current step so we now support that in mvda the launch of support for Amazon Kindle is something that happened back in February and that's really exciting um, we've been collaborating with Amazon and as a result of that you can now read Kindle books with mvda but not just read them uh, when you do a sale pages turn automatically This works with both Braille and speech. And you can also access things like uh, comments, highlights, and other features of of Kindle. And not only can you access comments and highlights, you can also add them yourself. As I mentioned just before, we now have a unit testing framework. And this basically allows allows us to reduce the chances of regressions in future. And it can make development and changes faster and, and more certain because of that. So I'll give you an example of this. Uh, we, Unfortunately, when I was working on Kindle, I managed to break select all in browse mode, much to the disgruntlement of some people here, I'm sure. Uh, so when you, when you moved the cursor somewhere other than the start of a document, select all didn't select all. It selected some, or maybe nothing. And the problem with this particular piece of code is it's, it's very difficult um, to predict. There are so many possibilities with selection. And so I was worried that making changes, I would end up breaking something else. And so with unit testing, I was able to write up a whole load of tests for various scenarios, lots of different scenarios. And as I was making changes, I could just run those tests and know that I hadn't broken something else. Okay, so let's talk about what's coming next in the land of MVDA. So uh, over the the course of MVAcon, you've probably heard several of us talk about and use the one core voices. I know I used them in the the Asara session, and I, I know that Joseph was using them as well in his session. So that's in Nvidia next, and they're the the voices that are bundled with Windows 10. So that's really exciting because a lot of those voices are a really really nice quality voices. So support a lot of different languages. Uh, we've been working on contracted Braille input for quite some time now, and uh, I'm sorry that that's taken so long. And unfortunately, we've had to deal with some some issues with uh, translation in, in Libloui. But I think I've I've dealt with most of of those issues now. So we're really hoping to be able to launch that for NVIDIA 2017.3. Anyone who's uh, been around the development circle, or maybe even just been lurking, is probably aware of a project that we mythically call Speech Refactor. And uh, we're going to start work on this this quarter. it's basically the idea behind this is, let's take NVIDIA's really, let's say, you know, it's, it's lasted a long time, but it's quite old. NVDA's speech code, which is, and let's rewrite big chunks of it so that we can do some really amazing things that we can't currently do. So as our, uh, the first project to benefit from this will be switching of synthesizers for different languages. So you might have one synthesizer that can speak English well and one that can speak Chinese well, but they're, they're two different synthesizers, not just two different. You want to be able to have automatic switching for that. Speech Refactor, while the initial implementation won't directly support these things, it paves the road for a whole load of other stuff. There's a massive list here, and I'm just going to run through. Changing the speed for different languages and things like math. Language switching in native apps and focus mode on the web. Author indication of spelling errors. Sorry, audio indication of spelling errors and... Capitals when reading text. So, right now we have the little beep when you're, when you're, uh, the little buzz when you make a spelling mistake. Ideally, it'd be nice if when you're reading text, you could hear that sound rather than having to hear spelling error spoken. Uh, Pauses during speech. I personally am not a big fan of pauses, but sometimes, particularly for newer users, having some pauses here and there actually makes it a lot easier to follow what's going on. Sounds for control types and states. So, being able to have a sound for for a button or to beep for links, well, and changing voices for controls or formatting. So for example, headings rather than speaking heading level one. and reporting of of caps and non-textual content in in select. There are, just, there are so many things that this allows, and I, I need to stress that this won't necessarily be in the first round. All of these things are made possible and for we'll other people to help with once the initial framework so now we move on to a little project that I unhelpfully title Webfix. And Webfix is basically, let's take the really top sort of annoying issues and problems that people experience. NVDA has always had a, a pretty good track record on the web. We've always tried to stay on the I feel like in the last uh, couple of years, there have been some things that, that haven't, that haven't been addressed that seem minor and a little niggles, but are just starting to annoy some, some people. So examples of this would be problems with with, uh, being thrown into focus mode when you shouldn't be thrown into focus mode, Uh, trying to click on things and having that not work work in certain cases. We want to try to fix some of those. I don't know that we'll get all of them fixed, but certainly we're going to give it a a red hot go. More ARIA. Uh, So this is sort of a little bit more technical, but uh, ARIA is essentially the specification that allows really fantastic accessibility things. And Aria one point one is is uh these days in the Aria world. So um, we want to support things like grids, which we uh, already support grids, but there are enhanced enhancements for grid support in Aria one point one. Allow for really massive grids like in Google. Uh, also supporting support for things like placeholder. So placeholder is that little piece of text that sometimes sort of is initially in the field that just sort of you as to what to put in. So in a date field, it might be, you know, and uh, we want to support that. Browse mode in rich, rich text editors is another thing we want to support. And basically what that means is imagine that you're editing something in Google and you think, okay, I actually want to jump to the next heading, or I want to jump to a table near here, or I want to jump to a link. Uh, you want to be able to use those browse mode commands that you all know. Right now, if you do that, when you come back to switch back to focus mode, the cursor is exactly where you left it. It doesn't move. And so we want those things to be synchronized so that you can use both, both of those capabilities. We're going to be doing more work uh, on Microsoft edge as well. We don't quite know what that looks like yet. Uh, it sort of depends on what Microsoft can launch in, but we're, we're very much hoping there'll be some more performance and improvements, maybe not, not this year, it may take a little bit longer, but we're certainly collaborating with Microsoft on that, generally across the board. But I think uh, people will agree that made so far with Edge, even in the last year, has been, has been pretty phenomenal. Automatic selection of the best available synthesizers is also something we want to do. And this essentially means things like uh, right now, we d- we default to eSpeak whenever you install NVDA. And I'm much a fan of eSpeak, and I, I don't think I'll be soon. But for new users, it's not necessarily the greatest thing. And in Windows 10, we have all these fantastic voices that that Microsoft now has. So we want to essentially be able to say, hey, there's a one core voice available for your language. And people who, who still love eSpeak can. don't, or particularly newer users, can use the and they'll have a good experience right from the start. Finally, one thing we want to try to implement, I don't know that we'll get to this, testing. Uh, testing. System testing is similar to, to unit testing that I mentioned earlier, but it's a bit more user level. It's literally like simulating what a user would do and expecting what a user would hear, and that allows us to test some some rather obscure cases. Okay, so that was all of the development stuff. So let's talk about building the ecosystem. So uh, we've got this great product, or we believe we do anyway, and we need a solid ecosystem to ensure the maximum benefit for everyone and to ensure maximum growth. So the first part of that uh, that we identified is training. And last year, we launched the basic training module for MVDA. And that was met with a, a great deal of success, and I think people have gotten a huge amount of value out of it and now we've also launched the word module and i can't actually remember when we launched that launched that i can't remember if it was i think it was late last year and that's also been really you know quite successful uh we're also pleased to announce that the microsoft excel module will be launching pretty soon i think uh, quentin's in the process of doing the the final touches for that at the moment i don't have a date for you yet but it'll be soonish so stay tuned the basic training module is now also available in audio and braille as well. And so this is, I, I, we've always had documentation bundled with MVDA in the form of the user guide, but it gives users a lot more than that. It's, it's much more of a tutorial style approach and it teaches not only MVDA, but also Windows itself, which let's face it could be quite terrific, uh, quite difficult to grasp. So the training is is a paid uh, module. Our our feeling on this is that, uh, we we feel it's very reasonably priced. Um, and at the end of the day, we, a, it's a source of revenue for us. But we also feel that that those users who are uh, able, uh, who do, you know, can't afford uh, to pay for it or or don't want to pay for it, there is there are resources out there and people that are able to help. But those who do want that sort of more. kind of hands-on approach, uh, have the option of purchasing the training material. As I mentioned earlier, this allowed us, aside from writing the training material, to identify issues in both MVDA and Office. And that's allowed us to to file a whole lot of bugs with MVDA, and we've gotten some of those fixed, and also Microsoft. Uh, I think they've been really grateful for the feedback as well. And I believe some of those issues have been addressed. So certification is another thing we've been working on and that's now available for the for the basic module. I think we now have 40 people when last I checked that are now NVDA certified experts. So, uh, we're publishing details of those certified experts on the on on the certification page. And the basic idea behind this is we want people to to be able to know okay, this person has has achieved a level of, of understanding of NVDA that we believe makes them sufficient to to use the product, but also train in the product if they have training expertise. And the fact that their details are, are listed on our site also means that they, you know, could even provide jobs going forward. Now, at this point, we're listing names, uh, but at this point, we're just listing names, and I, th- I can't actually remember we're listing anything else. But uh, we are going forward. We're going to be be able to list um, information that you request to be listed as well. So, if you have contact details that you want to be listed there, that can be done. I'm not quite sure when we'll be launching that, but the uh, I think there's actually a pull request against our uh, against our server code repository that's being reviewed at the moment. Telephone support is is something else we've been doing, and. While the community support resources are really fantastic, and there's a whole bunch of you out there that are doing really amazing work to help people out, uh, this gives us gives some people the assurance of, of being able to pick up the phone and, and call, and knowing that someone will, will be able to answer that call. And again, this is you know one of those situations where it is it, you don't need to purchase this, but if you want that assurance, you have that option of purchasing it. And that's available from our shop as well. So let's talk a little bit about external contributions. So we've increased. I think if you if you look at the uh, look at GitHub and, and look at the statistics and what's happened in the last while, you'll see that the we've definitely in, increased the number of pull requests pull requests that we're reviewing and merging from external contributors. But we still, you know, we're definitely aware that we still need to re- improve on this. It takes quite some time at the moment to get things reviewed, and an area that we still need to work on and I should point out here that the sort of guidance that Reef provided in his session on non-code contribution those things will really help because the more time that we can spend on things like um, code review sorry let me try that again the less time we can spend on you know getting enough information to triage the more time we can spend on things like code review and other ways you can help uh, you know when you submit pull requests uh, make sure that the, the implementation is being discussed first. And so that just saves a lot of time on, on everyone's sides if, if there need to be changes So in terms of add-ons uh, late last year uh, we worked with the the add-ons group uh, a few people in the add-ons co- community to streamline the submission and review process So previously Getting an add-on submitted and reviewed was, you know, was somewhat arduous, I suppose. And that's because we had some fairly strict review requirements in place, and we wanted to ensure the best quality of code. But the reality is that that's not going to work for a lot of people, and we felt that it was restricting the ecosystem. It was preventing people from getting hold of some really useful add-ons, and it meant that they were being distributed outside of the official repository. And so now we've changed the review requirements, at least for a basic review, just to be to cover really important things like is it secure, is it going to cause damage to people's systems, whether that's intentional or unintentional. Uh, you know, is it legal? That's really important for that should be important for everyone, but particularly important in corporate environments. So that's essentially what, what it's what it's reviewing for now. And then there is also the option of a more advanced review if you if you do want to be critiqued on code quality and things like that. Earlier this year, we launched what we're calling NV Access in Process, and this is essentially a, a news section on our website, which is, I don't want to say weekly, I suppose, I don't want to say fortnight, fortnightly, but certainly, you know, semi-regular updates on what MV Access is doing, what's going on behind the scenes. And anyone who is familiar with with, with AT development will, will know that in process is a bit of a play on words. I think I'm, I can't remember whether I mentioned we were looking at this last keynote. And that was really a direct... Uh, a direct response to users saying, we need to hear more. We want to hear more about what's going on at, at MV Access rather than just once a year at, at the keynote. And we have always tried to be fairly transparent, but we realized that not everyone sees that. Not everyone's you know, on the mailing list all the time and watching GitHub. And so we hope at that, that we've achieved that with MV Access in process. Anyone who's been watching Facebook lately or watching the MVDA groups.io mailing list Will have seen that Quentin is, is really quite active now. So we're really trying to make sure that we're responding to, uh, you know, fairly active and responding to things like Facebook and Twitter and our mailing lists, just engaging more with the community on that level. And that's also given us, I guess, a deeper insight into the sorts of issues that users are experiencing every day. We're increasing, I really can't talk properly today. We're increasing our involvement in MVDA Con. And I hope that's that's been noticeable. Uh MV Access is is hosting the team talks over this year, and I've been on the committee uh, helping out where I can. And we've also done more than just the keynote session this year. We've had reef session and we also had my nonetheless last minute Asara talk. Okay, so the third goal, where are we at? Uh, getting the hands getting the hands of NVDA into more people. I don't think that's quite what I was trying to say. Getting NVDA into the hands of more people. So, you know, we've got this great product and we're building this great ecosystem. And we need to actually make sure that more people are getting hold of this thing now. So NVDA is being translated into Vietnamese, Indonesian, and Burmese. And we're really targeting developing countries here, countries that really can most benefit from uh, from NVDA. NVDA was already translated into Vietnamese, but that has now been updated significantly. And that's not just NVDA, but also the training modules. We did a a presentation at CSUN this year for the first time since 2009. So what's that, eight years? And we've also undertaken a pretty significant rebranding project. Now, I think some of you probably did the branding survey that we threw out last year, just to get some idea of what people thought and what the case was going forward and so essentially the idea behind this is let's go for a values first approach why we do what we do is more important than what we do exactly even though that's obviously quite important as well so our website right now is, is somewhat more focused on the what you know you can download MVDA NVDA and here's what it is but to get to really get people's attention and to really get people to love the project particularly outside outside of NVDA of users it needs to be the why. This is really important because of this. This is really important because of community values and important because there are a whole lot of people that can't you know, contribute to society unless they do have access to something like this. So the first part of this is, has been the logo, and we've sort of slowly started launching that across our various websites and other material. And those of you ho- who are certified experts would have definitely received a... Uh, pretty thorough description of that as part of the certification. So that's a little sneak peek to the logo. So uh, the website should be hopefully the next stage of this, and that's been in, in development for a little while now. We don't exactly know when they'll be launching, but it should be later this year. And that takes that sort of more values first approach that I was mentioning before. We're also, uh, oh, the MV Access website, I'm sorry. So we're also creating a promotional video to highlight MVDA's impact, uh, primarily for developing countries. So essentially what we want to do here is, I guess, create you know, almost a mini-documentary sort of, Well, it's not strictly a documentary, it's still promotional, but saying why MVDA is, is you know, how it can have really major impact in developing countries and why it's important. Because we've noticed that particularly uh, in developing countries, but but elsewhere as well, there seems to be a pretty big lack of awareness People might have heard of MVDA, but they don't sort of think of it when they're considering, you know, the best possible option for, for giving people access. And we, and we want to we really want to improve that. And so that will be something that we can distribute to organizations in developing countries, but also something we can use for our, for promotion more generally. And we can cut this down too into a small video that we can use on the website. As a last statement on branding, I want to talk about, uh, some new sounds. So, uh, I think Joseph demonstrated the new, the whoosh sounds that we're using for the, uh, the suggestions opening and closing. And we've been looking into, particularly in the last week, we've been looking into sounds for the project, a bit of a refresh. I think this has been something that people have requested quite a few times over the years, and I've, I've not been happy so far with what, what we've had. But the idea is we really want short kind of subtle sounds that get out of your way and, and aren't sort of too overwhelming. And so that's something that we're working on. And that's almost uh, you know a part of branding, especially if you, uh, you can't see. The logo might not mean that much, but sounds and things do. So the fourth focus area, expanding our accessibility consulting and collaboration. This is our biggest source of revenue, but it's also where we can achieve some really major impact. Uh, so, the collaboration with, Am- with with Amazon on Kindle is a really good example of this. And we hope that there'll be more features coming out of that soon, so stay tuned for that news. We're continuing our work with Google, particularly on Chrome. And I think it's been you know, particularly evident that Chrome has really come in some major leaps and bounds in the last few years. Firefox, for, for many years, has been the champion on, of web accessibility, and that's still true to a large extent. But Chrome is really now tackling Firefox head-on. There's still some work to be done, in, particularly in some areas like editable text, where uh, and complex documents. But I think in other areas, it's already starting to exceed. So speed is a is a good example. It's it's a lot snappier in, in many cases. Google have also been helping us doing major work on NVDA's web support uh, for um, for things like cutting edge. Web technology, so all that ARIA stuff that I mentioned before. We're continuing to, to collaborate with Microsoft on on Edge, but also Windows itself. So a lot of the, the fixes that have been seen related to specific updates, like uh, typed characters, for example, are things that we worked with Microsoft on. Firefox is moving into the multi-process space. This is this is more for the, the more technical among you. Uh, so. You probably be aware that Firefox has previously been a single-process affair, and they're moving to a multi-process architecture to make it more like Chrome and I, I think pretty much most other browsers now. And moving from single to multi-process has some pretty significant challenges for accessibility, and so we're really working on that with Mozilla. The final area of focus is exploring new areas, and there's sort of a little less focus on this this year simply because we have so much other work to do in the in the other four areas. But Asara is still very much uh, in that list, and I, I'll refer you to the lightning talk that I did on that. And I should point out that despite it not even being a final release, many users are already using it in production, which is a pretty big statement. You know we've said this is this is pre-release software, but it's it's already being used in production, and so its importance is clearly very uh, it's very highly thought of in the in the market market is not the word I want, but uh, we'll go with that. The MIDI editor support that I demonstrated has um, is that actually got implemented only a couple of months ago, and that came out of crowdfunding. So there's that uh, community word again. Access Grease is a project that I started quite a few years ago, initially because I wanted to make Pandora accessible. And the basic idea behind Access Grease is that there are scripts called Grease Monkey scripts that can be or user scripts that can be in injected into a browser and so you, you install them in the browser and that enables you to to do some pretty amazing things but one thing it enables you to do is make somewhat tricky you know, inaccessible or not so accessible sites into accessible ones and so i've done that for pandora but lately uh github is something we've been working on because we obviously use github a lot and slack and trello as well so we use uh slack and trello internally now and Trello was particularly interesting because you there were keyboard shortcuts to move between lists and cards, but they weren't uh, the focus wasn't communicated to a screen reader, and so that now works quite nicely. You can go into focus mode and use your arrow keys uh, to get around. And so, uh, just to really quick summary, Slack is is sort of a you could almost see it as a private instant messaging platform for for work. It's largely used for workplaces and organisations. But and Trello is sort of a, uh, what's the word? It's sort of a task board style thing. So you might have you know several lists on your task board. Uh, so for example, our our task one has a list of in-progress tasks for the whole organization, a list of tasks that are not started, and a list of tasks that are blocked. And so you can sort of see what everyone's working on and move things across lists and the like. I hope that that's sort of a really whirlwind summary. I'm happy to answer questions on that later. Audio screen is something we mentioned last year. It's basically about presenting uh, graphics using audio. And that's somewhat on hold at the moment, but I will tell you that Mick was experimenting with support for charts in Microsoft Excel. So you could actually sonify or, you know, turn up, describe a chart using sound. And I think that uh, my, my, my last understanding of this is that Mick managed to actually lose the code for that, but he said it's not too hard to build again. So one of these days he's gonna do it. <laughs> So before I wrap this up, uh, I want to extend our our gratitude to our major sponsors, Adobe, Google, Mozilla, and the Nippon Foundation, as well as everyone, all the organizations and individuals who have contributed really generously financially. You are what enable us to continue this work we really love. Thanks to my partners in crime at NV Access, Mick, Quentin, and Reef, who are really just so fantastic to work with and uh, all constantly go way above and beyond the call of duty. And aside from that, they keep me sane and stop me from doing stupid things. (laughs) Uh, Thanks to everyone who has contributed code or translations or documentation to NVDA or related project. And that's all of you have helped NVDA to become what it is today. Thank you to all of you who have helped to support other users and to spread the word about mpda i feel like you guys are sometimes you're in the background and not necessarily given the recognition you deserve but i'm sure that many people have been helped by you know, by all sorts of people who were just able to provide their expertise and give up their time to do so and our enormous gratitude to our users that's all of you without whom this project just wouldn't obviously serve any purpose Finally, I'd like to thank everyone for coming to MVDACon Con 2017. And I'm sure you'll all join me in warmly thanking Derek, Ethan, uh, and Laura on the, on the committee. We also got Joseph who worked on the, the promo and the pre-keynote stuff. Thanks for that. That awesome awesome mix Joseph, uh, Matt has been taking care of the audio streaming and I think some of the recording as well. Uh, Bavi has also been in in the background when he can. He's he's been pretty busy. Ashley. Sorry, I missed Ashley. Doug. Doug as well. And I'm sure I've missed some people, but everyone else involved in in making this NVDA con a reality. There are many things that make NVDA different, that distinguish it from other products. It's $0 price tag. It's open source code. It's support for many languages. The fact that it can be portable. And the list goes on and on. But all of these things ultimately can be traced in some way or another back to one key, simple tenet, and that's community. Community is ultimately what makes MVDA different, what makes it so important, and why it is the incredible project that it is today. And as we draw this conference to a close and reflect on the greatness we have achieved and can yet achieve as a community, I'll leave you with this fitting quote from Leroy Hood. Don't underestimate the power of your vision to change the world. Whether that world is your office, your community, an industry, or a global movement, you need to have a core belief that what you contribute can fundamentally change the paradigm or way of thinking about problems. Thank you.
0: We hope you enjoyed the keynote presentation. For more information about NVDA Con, including links to download previous conference sessions, visit www.nvdacon.nvdacon.org.
1: All right. Thank you very much, NV Access team, for giving us permission to air that wonderful keynote from NVDA Con. I want to now bring to your attention, it was announced by Joseph Lee on the NVDA list, that a tutorial has been made available. It was written by Gene Asner, and it is all about switching from window eyes to NVDA. The direct link to it is quite lengthy, but you can find it pretty easily by going to nvda-community.org and search for the word switch. Again, it is called switching from window eyes to NVDA. Also, NV Access has officially released NVDA 2017.2. The following is an announcement which was posted by ACB President Kim Charlson. The title is... Hulu, audio description and screen reader access. Kim asks that we share this information with other affiliates to assist ACB in its work in this area. The announcement reads as follows. Disability Rights Advocates is investigating complaints from blind individuals who report that the Hulu website and mobile applications are not accessible and from blind individuals who want audio description tracks to be made available on Hulu. We would greatly appreciate speaking with you if you are blind and you have chosen not to subscribe to Hulu because you have heard about access barriers or the lack of audio description. We would also like to speak with you if you have confronted access barriers yourself while using Hulu. To share your experiences, please contact Kyle Ruiz by phone at 510-665-8644, again area code 510-665-8644, or by email at kruiz at dralegal.org. That's K-R-U-I-Z at D-R-A-L-E-G-A-L dot O-R-G. Okay, now you get to listen to me go on about something I've wanted to discuss with all of you for a while. Have you ever been in a situation where you want to write a document and have it come out looking presentable and well-formatted, but maybe you don't have access to a word processor, maybe you don't feel like dealing with the ins and outs of a word processor, or I know HTML can come out looking nice, but coding it is not so much fun, and especially with speech, you're having to deal with all the less than and greater thans and all these different tags that go on, and yeah, it's just not a whole lot of fun. Well... A while back, I heard about something, and when I explored further, I said, Oh my goodness, this is the ticket. It's called Markdown, and it was developed quite a while ago, in 2004, by John Gruber. You can learn more by going to daringfireball.net slash projects slash markdown, all one word. With this language, it's very easy to read even when the document has been coded, and it looks great when run through the interpreter so that you can output into HTML. Nowadays, you can output into several different formats, and everything will honor these codes that you put in your text. The reason why I like it so much is that it's plain text. You can do it in Notepad if you want, and it is very easy. You can have headings, bulleted lists or numbered lists, links, different block quotes or just plain paragraphs. You can indicate, for example, if you're showing an example of computer code, it's very easy to indicate that that is code, and then you revert back to the regular text of the document. There's a whole lot more you can do that I'm probably missing, but I just wanted to provide a quick overview of the power of Markdown one of the things I find I want to do in a document is create a list. So for example, if I want to do a bulleted list, I can be typing like this and saying what I need to say, and then I can go to a new line and type star or asterisk space, list item number 1, enter, star, space, list item number 2, enter, star, space, list item number 3, enter, enter, and continue typing my paragraph and when I run it through an interpreter it will convert to HTML and look like the list you would expect the bulleted list also it's very easy to insert links you can type away and then when you come to a link you want to say for example click here you write left bracket click here right bracket left parenthesis the URL right parenthesis there's no space between the right bracket and the left parenthesis So it doesn't look so bad when you're reading it. And certainly when you run it through the interpreter, it comes out exactly the way you would expect. If you want to use headings, you just write a certain number of number signs depending on the heading level you wish to use. So for example, if I wanted to create a heading level 2, I would go to a new line and type number sign, number sign, space, this is heading level 2, enter, enter, and continue typing. It's wonderful for someone like me who doesn't want to deal with word processors and the like, just a simple text editor and still end up with really nice formatted documents. Markdown may be enough for most needs. However, there have been additions. It's sort of evolved depending on who you talk to. There are different names for it and there are different Features that come along with it, but I went with multi markdown because the foundation is still there and yet it adds some new features. Uh, With multi markdown, you can add footnotes to a document, you can create tables which come out really nice with proper labeling and all the kinds of things you would expect from a well formatted table. There are document attributes you can put in place like title and author. There are a few other things I'm not thinking of at the moment. But Multimarkdown was created later by Fletcher Penny and perhaps others. And that resource is available at FletcherPenny.net slash Multimarkdown. That's F-L-E-T-C-H-E-R-P-E-N-N-E-Y dot net slash Multimarkdown. All one word. He has even created... An app for the Mac, which works extremely well, called Multi Markdown Composer, and I use that most often because it supports Markdown, Multi Markdown, and uh, a few other things that I haven't played with. But very good editor, very accessible, and easy to reach if you have questions or need help. Wikipedia has some great info about Markdown and Multi Markdown as well, so that's a great resource. I'm not sure if I've done it justice, because I don't want to go on and on and on, but I feel like it is such a great and simple language in which to write, and then you can run it through and have it looking perfectly. With a dedicated editor for multi-markdown or markdown, you get additional features. For example, when I write in multi-markdown composer, I don't have to run it through an interpreter. There's a separate window that is displayed right while I'm typing in the document that shows how it looks in HTML and you can then export as HTML or PDF or Word document format and a few other formats it's really incredible so I just wanted to tell you all about it in case you may have a need to quickly get some text down and yet still have it well formatted and speaking of quickly jotting text I almost forgot about iOS there are many apps that support Markdown. For example, I have the Drafts app, and gosh, that's a whole new discussion in and of itself because it's so powerful, but sometimes what I like to do is quickly jot something down in Drafts in Markdown, and then it knows what to do if I want it to be formatted or share it through a message or email or something like that. I think ByWord also supports Markdown. Um, I can't think of any other apps at the moment. Maybe Elements, but Oh, I haven't played with that one in a while. So, avenues to explore on iOS, and I'm sure Android as well. Main Menu is a program brought to you by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. It airs every Friday evening on ACB Radio Mainstream beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern, repeating every four hours until 5 p.m. the following day. You can tune in with any internet-connected device by going to acbradio.org mainstream, get it as a podcast, listen using ACB Link for iOS, or call 605-475-8130. Would you like to provide feedback, or do you have ideas about submissions? Feel free to email us, mainmenu at acbradio.org. You can also reach us on Twitter at MainMenu. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again soon.